You're listening to a podcast of New Covenant Church. Join us Sundays at 10.30 a.m. in Pompano. We just want to welcome you again. So, so, so glad that you are here. If you are watching at home, so glad that you're with us as well. Um, today we are going to be in Jonah. We're continuing our study through the book of Jonah, and we are hitting the last chapter, and we're going to be in chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. And uh, before we jump in there, just want to just thank our worship team for leading us so, so faithfully this morning. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Jonathan, for leading us and uh, for the whole team just for, for helping us to see God in, in amazing ways this morning. Really grateful. Um, all right, church, let's stand together as we read God's word here. We're going to be the first four verses of chapter four. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? This is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me. For it's better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? This is God's word. Lord, would you take this word and use it to change us, shape us, mold us into you, that we would, we would be different when we leave this place today than when we came in because of you, because of who you are. And as we've sung these great songs of your faithfulness, God, would you be the king of our heart this morning? And because of that, would you change us more and more into who you are? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. What makes you angry? What makes you angry? I've been thinking about that this week as I was preparing for today's message. What makes me angry? <laughs> what makes us angry? I wasn't really thinking what makes you angry. I was thinking what makes me angry. <laughs> I was looking at some lists of what, you know, people will say that, you know, kind of the top things that make people frustrated or angry. Um, here were some of the top things I found as I was looking through different resources. Uh, blaming me for something I didn't do that makes people angry or putting words into my mouth. Uh, someone telling me to calm down when I'm already, you know, worked up. <laughs> uh, this was funny. When people say, sorry, not sorry, that makes, makes some people angry. One, per, one, one person was like, when I bite into a delicious sandwich and all the insides fall out the other end, they said he calls it sandwich rage. I was thinking about this, like what makes, thinking about like what makes me angry? And I figured, well, the best place to go to figure that out is to ask my wife. And I asked her, I said, what, what, makes, me, <laughs> what makes me angry? She knew, she knew, she knew right away. Um, 
one of the first things she said was, noises. Noises make me, and, and it's very true. Like, I, I don't like, like, repetitive, like, clacking, clicking sounds, like tapping. So I hesitate to give you this list of what, of what gets to me because I, I do fear that there are some in this room who will go out of their way to make sure that they do the very things that are on this list. But we're just going to go for it, okay? And you, you can, you know, just be kind to, to me. Um, she also said, being interrupted makes me angry. And I was like, I was thinking about it. I was like, no, I'm, I'm okay. But then I was like, no. I, I, and I think a lot of this comes out, like, with my children, <laughs> and some of that. So, you know, if we're ever talking and you interrupt me, I'll just be a little bit angry. I, I'll handle it well. Uh, another thing that gets me is um, red lights. And I was reminded of this this morning. I feel like I came at a different time slot this morning. Like I, I was a little later to the office, you know, before, uh, you know, everybody gets here. And I hit like four or five back-to-back red lights. And I was like, finding, I was like, I am getting so upset <laughs> right now. And I, I was like, yeah, this really does make me angry. And then the final thing I, I was thinking about that makes me angry is I do not like being hit, like punched. I really don't like it. it. It like sets something off in my brain. And not like this happens a lot, thankfully, but um, you know, every now and again, a friend will just come up and be like, hey, you know, and like punch me in the arm. And I just do not, I am not okay with those moments. So please don't test me in these things. This is just, I'd rather not be angry and rather be happy. And I think overall I do pretty well these days as I've gotten older, like controlling anger. But there was a time in my life where I just, I was, I just was angrier, man. I was quicker. My, my fuse was shorter. I would get frustrated or angry fast. And I would never like lash out in really inappropriate ways, but that, that, that's not the point. Like, it would be inside of me. And see, the, the thing is, like, what, what does anger do to us? Because that, that's the bigger question. Like, it's not just so much about what makes us angry and then try to avoid that, but what, what, what happens to us when we get angry? What does it do to our life, to our relationships, to our, the world around us? What's on your list? I'm sure you know. See, anger has the potential to destroy us. It really does. It has the potential to do all kinds of damage in us. And when, when it's not handled properly, it can, it can damage our lives and it can damage the lives of, of people around us. Ben, uh, Brene Brown, she's, uh, maybe you know who she is. She's kind of become a famous, you know, psychologist, and she had this great TED Talk um, a while back, and she, she has some unique insight on some things. She, um, she, she wrote this. She said, anger is a catalyst. Holding on to it will make us exhausted and sick. Internalizing it will take away our joy and spirit. Externalizing anger will make us less effective in our attempts to create change and forge connections. Anger is a powerful catalyst, but a life-sucking companion. It's a lot there. Anger is a catalyst, meaning it is an accelerant. It accelerates reaction in us for good sometimes and also for bad. And it's usually the bad. 
that we have to struggle with and deal with. And when anger gets out of control, here's what it does. And she says it, it, it robs from us. It steals from us. All the good things that we need to live and to have healthy relationships and to thrive, it steals joy. It steals purpose. And so we have to think about this because anger can also lead to good things. It can lead to change. It could lead to growth. And that's what we want. But boy, man, the other side of it, it will devastate us. And so what I want to do today is I want, us, I want to help us see the dangers of anger and, and think through ways to fight it, to fight the unhealthy, the uncontrolled anger. And, and Jonah helps us, man. This last part of the story really helps us because <laughs> this is like a really unexpected ending, right? Most people who know Jonah or know the story, they think it ends after, you know, he gets spit out of the whale. He goes and he talks to Nineveh. He finally does what God tells him to do. They change their minds and we think the story ends there and it should be reading. And Jonah went happy back to his home, thanking God, rejoicing, skipping along the way. This is not what happened. In fact, chapter four is shocking. It's unbelievable. This man of God, this prophet of God, he has been running and fighting God. He gets swallowed by this fish. Inside the fish, he has this like awakening. He's like, oh man, I was so wrong. I'm gonna, I'm gonna obey God. Salvation belongs to God. I'm not gonna cling to worthless idols. And then he gets out of the fish. He does what God tells him to do. And what happens? He just falls apart just falls apart. Instead of him, him leaving and being thankful that God did this amazing act in this wicked, horrible people, what does it say? It says, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. That's what displeased Jonah, the fact that, that, that they heard him and listened. He goes through the city and says, 40 days, you guys are going down. You're, you're going to be burned up. And they listen. They go, oh, oh, no. And it says they, they, they turned from their violence, their evil ways. And we know that this wasn't like a, a holistic, long-term thing. But for whatever moment, they listened to God. They heard God. They heard Jonah. And they listened, and they're, they're turning from their evil ways. And Jonah, he says, I, I'm not okay with this. I am angry. I am so angry. I am exceedingly angry. Why is he so angry? That's the, that's the question, and that's what we have to think about today because this is really important for us because I think this is something we all can relate to. We, I don't care how pleasant of a person you are, in some ways, you deal with anger. In some ways. Maybe not as much as me. Probably not, but there are those moments, right, when it, you feel it. It's bubbling up. It's boiling up. We have to think about what anger does to us because, look, there's a lot to be angry about at times. There's a lot to be angry about. 
There's a lot of things going on in the world that are making us angry. There is a lot of things in our lives, our personal lives, that are making us angry, things that don't make sense. That's what the, the, the title of this series is, right? Jonah, when, when God doesn't make sense. That's, that's kind of the theme running through. It just, whatever God is doing is not making sense to Jonah, and he just, he can't reconcile all these different factors that these people are wicked, and yet God wants to show mercy and compassion, and he feels like, no, judgment should come. That's what makes sense. But when judgment doesn't come, he is undone and he gets angry, exceedingly angry. We talked about this two weeks ago that it actually means he saw what God was doing as evil. How can we best handle the anger that is in us and that bubbles up in us so that it leads to good things. And those good things are God's glory and our growth. So why do we get angry? Why does Jonah get angry? Usually anger comes from some sort of pain that we're experiencing, right? Some kind of pain, something in us could be physical pain, you know, like when I get punched or it could be emotional, spiritual pain that comes so we get our, our it gets we, we get stung and we respond it hurts we get angry and then we want to react and respond and so what leads us to that kind of anger to that kind of response so i'm going to just lay out a couple a few things three things that i think lead to us getting angry in an uncontrolled way and then we're going to talk about how to, how to reshape that, how to think about it. And so it helps us to know what causes anger because then we can be on guard. We can be ready. We can at least fight and not just fight by ourselves, but together. So that one, we're not the ones causing anger to the other people, right? We want to fight. We want to help our brothers and sisters. We want to help each other. So like if you know that I don't like, you know, whatever, being interrupted, then, you know, help me out and don't do that so that I don't, I don't get angry. And if I know that you don't like this, you know, I'm going to help you out. And so it helps us to see and to shape our mind around these things. And so the first thing that I think is kind of the overarching umbrella and why we get angry is because of pride. It's pride. Now, pride in the Bible is spoken of a lot, and it, it tends to be the root of all the things that cause us problems. It is at the root of most of our problems. And it's helpful if we think about, well, what, what is pride? How do we define pride? I would say that pride is an unhealthy focus on ourself. It's an unhealthy focus on our own importance, either a high, a high value of our own importance or a very low value of our own importance. It is just an overemphasis of thinking about ourselves, right? Because we often, we, we, we know the conceited kind of pride, right? Where we think we're better, we think we're great, you know, we look down on other people. That, that's a piece of pride. But the other side is, is just as, as problematic and it's often harder to see and it's usually this mode and mindset of like, oh, I'm nobody. No one cares about me. No one thinks about me. I never, I never am worth anyone's attention. Like that is also a 
piece of pride. Because it's just an overemphasis, an overfocus on ourselves. And so when our pride gets hurt, we feel that pain and we get angry. And we want to reclaim something. We want to reclaim our sense of rightness. We want to be right. We want to be at the center of all things. Even if it's putting ourselves down, it's still this, look at me, poor me, or look how great I am, look how great. And Jonah is having a problem with this. He, he thinks he knows best. He thinks he knows how this whole thing should play out. And he, and he, and he prays to God. He says, look, I knew it. They actually listen. They turn from their evil ways. And he goes, I knew it. I knew that you were just like this. It's the kind of God you are. I knew you wouldn't do the right thing. I knew you wouldn't wipe them out. If I were God, I would tell you what would have happened. There would have been ashes all over Nineveh. You know, like an action movie. And there's Jonah just walking out like fire behind him. You know, just took care of business. That's the way Jonah wanted this whole thing to go down. See, and that, that's the heart of pride. If I were God, things should be different. I know what is right. I know the way it should play out. Here's the heart of pride. God can't be trusted. Right, we sang it today. You are good, 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 good. Why do we say it so many times? Because all the time we think God is not so good. Unless we're getting the things that we want in that moment, then we're like, oh, God, you're so good. And then when things start to go bad, we're like, God, you're not so good. And so we need to be reminded and sing it. You're good. You're good. God can be trusted. And at the heart of pride is, no, I know what's best. God can't be trusted. This is what we see at the beginning of the Bible. You want to read Genesis 1 and 2 and 3, and you see God gives this perfect creation to his, his children, to Adam, to Eve. And what's the first thing that is is brought into their head, like, no, God can't be trusted. He gave this tree. God says, don't eat of it, but it's only because he doesn't want you to have good things. He wants to hold things from you. How many of us think that God is just a withholding God, and because you did something wrong today, you think the rest of the day is just going to go poorly because this is how God acts? No, that's how we act. And we just can't get out of that mindset that if I slip up, like I got to spend the rest of the day making it up to God so that tomorrow he'll bless me. We need help. That's pride in us. It's us turning God into our own creation, making him in our image, and then trying to order the world around what we want so that we're at the center. And so we get angry when that pride is hurt. And look at what happens, man. It, it, robs, it robs Jonah, right? I said this, anger robs from us. It steals from us. It robs from Jonah the joy that he should be experiencing. Something amazing just happened, man. These, these wicked Assyrians... They recognize they're wicked. They recognize they're too violent. They recognize all of this, and they, they say, actually, you know what? We're going to stop. And Jonah's like, Ugh. figures. 
when he should have been happy. I mean, God just used him to do something unbelievable. And instead of walking away being like, oh, thank you, God, thank you, God, thank you, God, he's just focused in on himself and what he wants and he can't see clearly. And you know what he does? He actually quotes scripture back to God. He quotes God back to himself. He's like, it's like, I knew it. I knew you were a gracious God. I knew you were one that relents from disaster. I knew, that's actually Exodus 34. And he's like, look, I knew you were a God that doesn't care about dealing with the wicked, which is totally crazy. It's totally false because the rest of that scripture actually says he will not let the guilty go unpunished. But Jonah doesn't quote that part. He just quotes this part that makes it seem like God isn't interested in justice. He doesn't care about dealing with what's wrong. C.S. Lewis, he says it so well. He says, pride is spiritual cancer. It eats up the very possibility of love or contentment or even common sense. How many of you, when you see people angry, you just go, why are you so dumb right now? Like common sense has left the room. It's just, it eats away. It eats away at us of love, of contentment, common sense. And so, yeah, Jonah, he can't see straight. And he's like, hey, God, I know your word. I remember, I remember Exodus. For I knew that you're a gracious God, merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. This is one of those things that we should just be so happy about that God is, is like, and he's there going, I hate this about you. It's so interesting because in the fish, he was really thankful for this. In the fish, Jonah was glad God was patient, that God was slow to anger, that God was merciful, that God was abundant in love and mercy and grace. And then he gets, he's the product of that love and mercy. And then when it's not going according to his plan, he blames God for being that way. Do you see yourself in Jonah? The fact that we want love and compassion so much, and yet it's so hard for us to give it when we're hurt, when we're angry. And the root of that is pride. We just don't see clearly when this happens. We want what we want, and we want nothing else. See, and that leads to the second the second thing that, that keeps us angry is our passions. See, pride, pride is the foundational element there. That, that's, that's the one thing that kind of covers it all. But then if we start to pull out a little bit, we, we see that our passions are a problem. And what do I mean by passions? I mean, these are the deep desires of our heart. The things that we want, when they are unfulfilled, they lead to anger, right? We want Love, we want respect, we want to go here for lunch. And when those things don't happen, that, that want is not met, it's unfulfilled, it's rejected, we get angry. 
See, it's this part of the story where we finally learn why Jonah ran away. We, you know, we know the whole story because we've read through it, but if you were just reading this from beginning to end, bit by bit, you didn't know yet why Jonah ran. He ran because he hated these people. He hated this people group. He hated this country. He hated this nation because of wrongs that were done to him and his people. He says, that's why I ran. That's why I ran. I hated them and I knew you were good and I knew you were going to do this. I knew you were going to let them walk free. When God doesn't do what he wants, he gets angry. Listen, we all throw our sophisticated adult temper tantrums. We do it. Kids do it, very obvious. They jump on the floor, they bang their fist, they hold their breath, they scream. You know, we look at that and we're like, oh, thank God I'm not like that. Yeah, we are. We are. We just run. We run, we get angry, we lash out, we send messages to the world hoping that someone will see what we say and change their mind about something. Look, we get angry when we don't get what we want. James says it, right? James, in the New Testament, he says it's super, like, this is the best place you can go to find it. He says, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Big question, right? One that everybody can relate to. We fight, we quarrel. What causes it? It's not, is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and don't have, so you murder. You covet and can't obtain, so you fight and you quarrel. This is it, man. This is the like. This boils it down to the to the bottom line. You 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 get in constant fights in your in your marriage. Let's go back to pride and passions, man. Your pride's being hurt. You're not getting what you want. You think you're owed something and it doesn't happen. You fight and you quarrel. Problems at work, problems at school, problems on, the, on, on, on your team, whatever it is, why do we fight? It's because there's something, there's a war within us. There are passions at war. Part of, of, our, of our passion wants just the things that we want. Other parts of it want what God wants at times, and there's just this battle taking place. We want to satisfy those desires, those passions. And when we can't, it hurts. That pain comes in. And what happens? We get angry. And it leads to murder. It leads to fighting. It le I mean, that, that's where it begins. We don't fight and kill because we just feel like it. It's because there's something in us that says, I have to reclaim what was mine what is owed me. Can you relate to that? Are you feeling it now? Is there something in you that you just, you want so badly, but it, you can't get it. It's not coming to you. That person isn't giving it to you and you are just caught in anger. And what's it doing to you? And I know, I know what you're doing. I know it because I do the same thing. I'm like, actually this, yeah, I know what you're saying, Adam, but actually this situation, I really, it, it's right that I'm angry. They, they deserve my anger. Sometimes as 
believers of God in Christ, we, we call this like righteous indignation. We get very fancy with our words. We're like, this is righteous anger, righteous indignation. I read it in the Psalms. That guy, he prayed for the destruction of his enemies. And, and we like to lean on those things. That's not our problem, man. That's the easy part being upset at other people. The other part is Jesus coming in and saying, listen, I want you to love your enemy. I want you, if you get slapped on one cheek, to turn the other cheek. If, if someone wants, your, wants your, your, your clothes, you give them everything. He says, it's easy to hate. It's easy to be angry. I want you to love. I want you to lean in to relationships, to people, and not give in to the anger that will just rob you of the beautiful things in life that I have for you. What is it that you want right now that you're not getting? Respect? Money? Love? Worth? Recognition? All of these things if left inside to fester and grow, it will lead to the worst things of life. And you will miss the beauty around you. You will miss all the other things that are going on in, in life that are good and right because you're, you're, you're caught in this prison of anger and wanting it to be dealt with and wanting that justice to come and that judgment to come. And then, honestly... Let's say you act on it, right? We know, we've done it, right? Where we lash out, we give that person what for with, with our mouths or we go further and get in, get in a fight. You feel better after that? Not usually. No, because that's not the answer. Look, if we're finding ourselves getting angry a lot, we have to look at our passions because they may be off. What we're wanting may not be right. Listen, sometimes what God wants will make you angry. Let me say it again. Sometimes what God wants will make you angry. And you're like, huh? no. Yeah. Yeah, he wants mercy, compassion, justice. Like, he wants these things in us. He doesn't just want us to be the recipients of that, which we are. He wants us to be agents of it. And there are times when the people that he wants us to show that love and mercy and kindness and compassion to do not deserve it. And it makes us angry and we say, no, no, no. You're not going to fool me, God. I'm not going to be hurt again. If I do that, then I'm going to be taken advantage of my whole life. It's not how God wants us to live. And something you can do, a question you can ask yourself when you find yourself starting to get angry, you can ask yourself this, what am I wanting right now? What am I really wanting? As we start to think through those things, like you get in a fight with, with your friend because they said something to you in a, text message that just didn't seem right and, 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 you, and you start to get so angry and, and, you, and you, you go, I knew it. It's because she thinks she's better than me and she always is jealous of me and she, you know, she never respects the way I think or he always is. In those moments, we can stop and go, okay, 
itself. <sighs> you know, take our breath and we go, oh, wait, what am I wanting right now? It's, it starts to reveal to us, yeah, it's like, you know what? I'm wanting respect and I'm not getting it. And then we start to get through this, okay, well, what's the solution here? How can we remedy that? And I think that plays into the last element that leads to our anger has to do with priority. All right, we deal with our, we deal with pride, we deal with our passions, and it's often because just our priority is off. What you believe, what you trust in, what you're giving your life to, what is the priority of your life? What is at center stage, right? And this goes back to all the other things I talked about. If I am at the center, if my value and worth and significance, if the way I feel in the moment is always going to be the center, the king of my heart, then I will just constantly be on this roller coaster of up and down based on how you treat me, based on how you don't treat me, based on how the world around me, as I'm driving my car and you get in front of me and slow down, you are messing with my life and I can't handle that. And so we get into a road fight because you're not caring about me. And what's the priority in that moment? Me. Like I need to get to where I'm going. You are standing in the way and therefore you must be destroyed. Look at what God says to Jonah. God is so patient and compassionate. I'm just thinking, like if I was the parent here and my kid was acting the way Jonah would, I just, you know, all my anger would come out and, and they would be squashed. Look what, look what God says. Jonah, do you do well to be angry? <laughs> How would you feel? In that moment, if you're, someone's, if you're like, ah, yes, that's what Jonah say. What's the right answer? No, no, I don't. But, you know, if you're honest, you're like, yeah, I feel I do well. I'm, I'm doing well being angry right now. That's the answer he wants to give. Yeah, it, it's right for me to be angry. Look, everything that Jonah has professed, has, has, has believed in, everything he's trusted in is crumbling down around him because his priority wasn't on the glory of God. His priority was not on who God is. His priority became self-centered, self-focused, self-reflective. He wasn't trusting in God anymore. He was trusting in some creation of God that he made. And he can't handle it and he's so angry. And it's not over. We still have some verses left that we're going to talk about next week. God is teaching Jonah so much about who he is, about compassion, and he's teaching us about compassion through this story. That is just the theme that flows through this whole story of one of God's compassion he wants Jonah to trust him, to trust his ways, and he wants us to trust him, to trust his ways. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. Why do we get angry? Because we have made a priority of something else. Something else has taken center stage in our life. Something other than the supreme sovereign God of the universe. Something else has become the king of our heart. And although we would never say it, 
We live it when we act out in anger. It's destructive. It steals from us. And we've created a God that, that just agrees with us and, and wants to do everything that we want. And when he doesn't do that, we can't handle it. Whereas God wants us to, to believe in who he is based on what we, we learn about him in, in the Bible. Not the way that our culture wants to describe him or the way that we want to define him, but who he is. And when he acts the way he acts, he wants us to believe in that, trust that, so that we don't respond in ungodly, unhealthy anger, but we respond in faith and trust and hope and belief and all the good things that will bring us life that won't steal joy from us but that will infuse joy in us that even when the world is crumbling down around us we could say I am fine don't you want that don't you need that I do this is the battle. This is the fight against anxiety, against depression. This is the fight against addiction. And I'm not saying we don't use other resources to fight in that, but if our foundational element of hope and trust and priority is not in the Lord of the universe and in his son, Jesus Christ, then we will constantly be fighting and searching for significance and value and our pride will continue to be hurt. Our passions will continue to be at war and our priority will be on something else. And so what does God want to do for us and with us? He wants us to turn the pain that we feel regularly into purpose. He wants us to turn that pain into purpose. See, it's okay to be angry. Do you know that? It is okay. The Bible doesn't say never be angry. The Bible says be angry and do not sin. The Bible says be slow to anger. So I didn't lead with that because I don't think we need permission to be angry. We're just, we're just, we're just angry all the time, right? It's like the Incredible Hulk. He says, how do you, he's like, I'm just angry all the time. No, we don't need that. But, it's, but we do need to know that God is not saying never be angry. But here's what we need. We need to take that when we get angry at the right things, we need to turn that anger into something that's going to bring life and fruit and growth and and. and all the good things in us, which it can happen if we turn that pain into purpose. I, I quoted Brene Brown earlier, and there was a, a piece I didn't leave in there because I wanted to save it for this part. This is what she says. She says, anger is an emotion that we need to transform into something life-giving. Courage, love, change, compassion, justice. Listen, we're not preaching Brene Brown, but she's onto something here, okay? Okay, she's, she's right. We wanna find purpose in our pain and not let anger lead us into ungodly and destructive lifestyles. We wanna take that anger and turn it into and transform it into something beautiful, which it can happen. It's what Jesus did. It's what Jesus did for us. The pain that he experienced on the cross was, was channeled through the purpose that he had, which was to save his people for you, for me, from the very anger that we are struggling with right now, from the sin that wants to separate us from God, he came with purpose and turned that pain into something beautiful. And he does that so that we can as well. And so I wanna leave you with a scripture. Hey, it's the Apostle Paul. It's from Ephesians 4. And I want you to take this. I want you to write it down. 
Okay? It's Ephesians 4, 25 through 32. I want you to write down that reference, and I want you to look at it this week. And I want you to meditate on it. I want you to be in it and stay in it. This is what he says, because I can't preach this passage too. You, you all would get very angry and punch me. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give, say the word, grace to those who hear. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with malice, all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave. Read it, memorize it, live in it this week. You want strength to go on? That's turning pain into purpose right there. And that's what we're gonna do. All those P's I gave you, pride, passions, priority, we're gonna turn those into purpose. Pride into purpose. Passions into purpose. Priority to purpose. We're gonna say things like, life is not about me. It's, there's a much bigger purpose in the universe than constantly reacting to the offenses that are coming my way. You're gonna waste your life. You are gonna be caught in that prison of anger if you just let yourself become the center of existence. Don't do it. Fight against it. Put Christ at that center. Those passions that want to overtake us, we're not going to live for just what we want in the moment. I'm not living for just what I want and, and the devastation I feel when I don't get what I want. We're going to open our hands and our minds and our hearts to say, I'm going to live for what God wants. And when his wants contradict my wants, I'm going to be okay with that. I'm going to walk in faith in that. And when I get angry because my passions, my desires aren't met, I'm gonna remember that my life is not about me getting what I want. And we're gonna make our priority the purpose of putting Christ at the center of my existence. You wanna do that, church? I, I can't think of better ways than for you to constantly come here on Sundays, for you to get plugged into a small group, for you to start giving your life away and serving at, at summer camp and in our serve teams and, and working at VBS and getting into, connect, starting a new group and getting into the lives of other people. You, you will, it will challenge all the anger buttons in you and it will turn into something beautiful. We can't hide we can't be in isolation. One thing the pandemic taught us, we do not do well in isolation. We knew that already, but it showed more and more. We need one another. We need life together. Press into that. And if you have never, ever trusted in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you, if you, you can't take these first steps unless he becomes the Lord of your life, today's the day. Call out to him and say, Jesus, save me. I'm a sinner, I need you. I need your life so that you can become the center of my world. And it doesn't mean we're gonna never be angry again. What it's gonna mean is there is a hope for that anger to be turned into something wonderful. Believe that, live in that. Let's do it together for his glory. And now we have an opportunity to do something special. One of the ways that we get to put this into practice 
to really examine our hearts and see like, okay, is anger an issue? Is it being dealt with? We, we, we get to take the Lord's Supper, to take communion today. We have bread and we have wine that, and juice that represents the, the broken body and the spilled blood of Jesus for the very sin that we've been talking about. And he tells us, I want you to take this in remembrance of me. And what happens when we remember him? It just, this is where our anger just goes away because we realize that what he did, what he did for us kills any sense of pride in us. It kills any sense of inappropriate passions. It, it shows us that our priority must be him. And we have, we have these cups all in ones at the back table. If you didn't get one, please get one. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then you are invited to take this with us. If you, if you have not followed Christ, we don't want you to go through the motions and just go through a ritual. This is so much more than that. We would never want you to play a game and just have a snack. We, we want this to be meaningful for you. And so if today is the day where you said, oh, I'm trusting Christ today, then you are invited to, to come into the community and share and share in the bread and the juice. But if not, if you're saying, I'm not ready for that step yet, we, we understand and we love you and we're so glad you're here. And we would say, just pray, think, reflect on your life, on the things that we've talked about and God will reveal himself to you. So church, let's, let's go ahead and just take a moment as we take our bread out. The Bible tells us that as we take this, we want to reflect on our lives, to examine our lives. We've talked a lot about anger today. Maybe this is something you're needing to give over to God. Maybe there's something else in your heart that you're just needing to, to ask him for forgiveness and, and just say, God, I need you. Let's just take a minute of silent prayer, meditation to say, God, forgive me for my sin. I'm a sinner. I need you.